0: Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive.
1: You're in for a real treat today as I'm bringing on one of my closest friends for a conversation about spiritual healing. He also happens to be a shaman. If you caught episode 204 with Andrew Thiessen talking about his near-death experience, you may have heard us give a shout out to our mutual friend Patrick. He's here today and we go deep in this conversation to talk about his journey to shamanism as well as healing, ceremony, drumming, ayahuasca, and so much more. I'm going to start us off a little differently this time with Patrick calling in sacred space. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>
2: Spirits of the Earth, Spirits of the Air, Spirits of the Fire, Spirits of the Water, Spirits of the Upper World, Spirits of the Lower World, Compassionate Spirits of the Middle World, the Fae, Spirits of the Land, the Ancestors of the Land, thank you for your presence. Thank you for blessing us with your love and your light.
1: Welcome to the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Nadia Dela Cruz, founder of the Wayne Dyer Wisdom Community on Facebook and angeltarot.org. This podcast would not be possible without support from loyal fans like you. I want to thank everyone who has joined me on Patreon. You can sign up now for exclusive bonuses, including access to the full video for this episode. You'll find that link and more details about this podcast at NadiaDelacruz.com. Now, my guest today is a shaman, Reiki master, cartoonist, and teacher in the Seattle area. Passionate about drawing comics since he was a child, his artwork masterfully combines creative talent with spiritual insight. He currently offers readings, healing services, and classes in the Seattle area. He also happens to be one of my closest friends. Patrick Corrigan, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having me. This is awesome. It's just been a long time in the coming.
1: Yes, you and I have talked about doing a podcast before, and here we're recording an episode, so I'm excited about that. Get an opportunity to talk to you more about your life. So, yeah. were you always spiritual?
2: Always. Always. <laughs> um, yeah, I was... I was raised Catholic, and even, like, from the day I was born, there was kind of this belief or understanding in my family that I was going to be a priest. It was like, and and the Corrigan family, there's, like, through our um, history, like, in Ireland and stuff, we've been nuns and priests and monsignors and even into this country there's like we've got lots of holy people and it was just kind of the the priest who actually baptized me did so with the intention that I would at some point become a priest so Mm. yeah
1: carry on the ministry yes so when you were a kid were you very religious then
2: I was, but I was also um, a little heretic. Her- I was a little heretic, I guess, in a way. <laughs> I was very spiritual, very religious, but um, I always I had the audacity to talk to God directly, which is a no no in in the Catholic Church. And I was just like, <laughs> then I, I always had this feeling of of this little golden ball over my shoulder and i just thought that was god like i would connect to that and talk to god talk to my relatives that had passed and all of that kind of thing so i was yeah i was pretty spiritual pretty i was on the mystical side of of being Catholic. So, and I went to Catholic school from first grade all the way through college. Hmm. So
1: that's a long, that's a long time. That's commitment.
2: Yeah. So I spent my entire school career in the Catholic school system. And then I went to college at um, a Benedictine monastery in Minnesota and in fact, at one point was considering joining the monkhood and becoming a brother, Benedictine brother. And it was just, I've always, always had that calling to be more spiritual and to kind of see the the more spiritual aspects of life and. That kind of thing. So, so,
1: so, were you taking classes on religious studies all through college? Then, like, what was your focus?
2: Um, well, in college, my my master's, my not my, I didn't get a master's degree, but my I was, um, I got, I've got a BA in fine arts. Art was my my focus, of
0: course. And
2: (laughs) so, was that? It's always been that that combination of art and spirit you know most of the time coming through nature right mm-hmm. and so it it um and this campus was is just beautiful it's like they've got i don't know how many acres of woods so this this benedictine monastery these beautiful red brick buildings and cobblestone little paths and Set right in the middle of the woods, and they've got a whole lake on campus. And there's this little chapel out on the lake that you can walk through the woods to. And it, it was just beautiful, and it was just everything I needed. It was like the art, the spirit, the nature. And mm. it was kind of almost inevitable now that I think about it.
1: How everything would come together for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Those seeds were planted at an early age. Now, you're also very musical.
2: I am. In fact, (laughs) that that part doesn't come up much. Um,
1: It does today. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah, when I was in high school, um, I started playing guitar. um, And it was like I... I have, I've always wanted to be a cartoonist. That's the one thing I have always, always wanted to be. And so I, I, I've I, drawn for as long as I can remember, literally as long as I can remember. Um, but then getting up into high school, you know, when I was supposed to start looking for a, a serious career or start aiming towards something, um, my cartooning got kind of discouraged or... Trying to push it aside, my 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 art teacher in, in high school actually, when she saw how how committed I was to art, and she actually gave me um, a sketchbook and told me to like kind of extra credit here, take the sketchbook and just draw every day. And when my parents heard about it, they got mad at her because <laughs> she was encouraging the art, and they wanted me to get you know a serious, serious. job. <laughs> And so that, that art, the creative part, kind of got sublimated into music, and mm. I started playing guitar and writing songs, and my dream at that point was to move to Nashville and become a country singer. Mm-hmm. And so I started writing country songs and playing guitar, and I appeared in a couple of different um, like talent shows and stuff like that, and, and then... Interestingly, when I moved out here to Seattle, um, I was going to this group where um, that does channeling and they did like a Sunday service and I started doing the music for the Sunday services as well as for the channeling sessions. And the woman who channeled, she would tell me like the month before what this, the coming month's topic would be, but she wouldn't tell me exactly what, was going to be said or anything because she didn't know of course Mm -hmm. and so I would write a song based just on what she told me the subject and then we'd go to the channeling and it was Jeshua that she channeled and he would basically quote my song before I had a chance to sing it and then I would sing it toward the end and it just it was it always amazed me how it just together just perfectly mm-hmm. so so yeah I've got some music I kind of I'm kind of focusing more in my art at the moment but the music is actually starting to come out a little bit more and I get I've got um, I mean music singing is a big part of my shamanic practice and I have songs that I sing uh, before ceremony during ceremony I have some songs that were gifts from the spirits um that I I just I sing to myself kind of like power songs that I, I'll sing to myself when I need a little boost or need to remember what's real and what's not and that kind of thing. So yeah, music, creativity, art, it's it's all there. Yeah.
1: It all comes together. And it's interesting how it goes all the way back to the very beginning. And you probably didn't realize it at the time or didn't see how everything was connecting. And then you look back and you're like, oh wow, like I was doing that. I was interested in that. I was surrounded by that, and now, like these are the things that are still in my heart that are that are guiding me today.
2: Absolutely, yeah. You look back and you see where the seeds were planted and how long, how far back those roots go, mm-hmm. and how strong they are supporting what's happening now.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I um. I think maybe I've only heard one of your country songs because there there was a video you, sh- you shared at some point. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But I love how you incorporate your own original songs, like, you know, downloaded from spirit in your ceremony. And I wondered if there's anyone that you might like to demonstrate for us.
2: Sure. Um, so. The one that I sing the most, um, I sing it at the end of, um, I'm 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 a, I'm a sacred pipe carrier and so I do pipe ceremony a lot and the song, there's a song I sing at the end of my pipe ceremony that was a song that was gifted to me from some local nature spirits. Um, the story behind it is I used to have my, my day job used to be with a warehouse And right across the street from the warehouse, there was this lovely pond with trees and ducks. And so I would inevitably go walk around the pond on my lunch break, especially if if things were getting a little heavy at work and, and different things. And there was this one day I was just in the darkest, deepest funk And I went over to the park and I'm walking around the pond and I found myself apologizing to the spirits of the land there for jumping all this crap on them. and, And, you know, and I got this message in my head. It's like, no, that's what we're here for. It's like, as you heal, we heal. And so it's like, let us have it. Let it go. Because to them... To us, it's negative. To us, we judge it. It's negative. It's dark. It's bad. But to them, it's neutral. Energy is neutral. So they can take it. The earth takes that energy, neutralizes it, and then uses it to create more. That's the cycle of life. And I just got chills. I love Um, that. (laughs) And so they were like, just let it go. And as I was just like letting it, I just kind of pictured pictured this energy just kind of wicking out of my feet down through the earth and as this was happening I heard this melody in my head and I so I started singing it and it they told me this is the song of mutual healing It's to remember to remind me that as I heal the earth heals and as the earth heals I heal so it goes like this Ihi I ihi He Ihi la I He Ihi He Aho.
1: Oh. Oh. Aho. So beautiful. Wow. And what a powerful message behind that from your personal experience in a time exactly. of need. You were given almost a prescription and a reminder that, that no, don't hesitate to bring it to us like spirit wants to help us hand hand your troubles over to spirit in whatever form that manifests for you and let them take it you know and detach from outcome stop worrying about how things are going to get resolved trust that something bigger is looking out for you is on your side that the universe is conspiring for your benefit i just got chills too and uh, (laughs) (laughs) i'm feeling it and um yeah, what a great reminder! So, thank you for for sharing that that moment of healing. I, I know people are gonna are gonna feel that. All
2: yeah, right, and you know, as my gift, you know, if that helps other people, they want to sing that. That's my gift for others as well. Pass it forward. Them.
1: Love that. Thank you. Okay, so you spent all these years in Catholic school, studied at a Benedictine monastery. Was it Benedictine? Okay. Mm-hmm. So when did you end up coming to Seattle and what brought you here?
2: Um, so somewhere I think toward the end of high school and into the first part of my college career, I started discovering I I discovered Zen Buddhism. I, I discovered Alan Watts is what I discovered. He's great. And yeah, and that introduced me to the whole world of Eastern philosophy and and Taoism, which I always call myself a pagan with Taoist tendencies, besides <laughs> being a shaman. Because I just there's something about Taoism that just that's like my default setting. And so I learned about that. And I was incorporating that into the Catholicism. You know, it, it fit together. To me, there was no
0: separation. rough edges.
2: It just totally supported each other. And so I was kind of moving toward, again, toward the edges, toward the more mystical mm-hmm. edges of religion. And then what happened is I started dating a witch. <laughs> As one does. As one does. Um, so the, the school that I was at was an all-boy, all-men's all, boy, all, all men's college. Mm-hmm. And then there was a convent just down the road that was the all-women's college. And so we, we there was a bus line that went back and forth. And we had classes on both campuses. And so I met, um, I was a late bloomer. So she was basically my first girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And, and she was Wiccan. And it just kind of opened opened a whole nother door for me. And again, I saw I saw no contradiction between the Wiccan pagan view of the world and the Catholic Christian.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: you know maybe that comes from my Irish roots. I know like Ireland was the one place where they they fit together. but it's like I remember one time, she told me basically the creation story of like the Lord and the lady, the God and the goddess and how that cycle goes. And I'm sitting here cause especially cause I, you know, had these theology classes. So not just the, the, the story you hear in church, you know, it was like more of a depth to the creation story. And I'm like, it was the same story, different genders, but same story. Yeah. And it just opened me up because I'd always I've never felt more comfortable than when I was camping, when I was out in the woods or sitting by the lake. As like nature has been such a part of my spiritual growth. So here it became paganism that helped to expand that so that God wasn't just up there someplace or in the church. It was like everything was goddess. And so that kind of, it was like the next step toward shamanism. So um, I got to know a lot more about witchcraft, Wicca, and paganism. And then when, I was a couple years ahead of her, so when she graduated, um, that's when we came out here to Seattle. um, Because there was a little bit of weird feelings between my family and her and we decided that we needed to kind of expand. We, we were shooting for Montana, where her parents lived at the time.
0: You overshot then I got
2: it. A, <laughs> they overshot, right. And part of the reason I overshot it was because um, my first couple of years out of college, I discovered Seth, the Seth books, and Ramtha. And
1: I'm not familiar.
2: Ramtha, Seth um, was... Uh, Channeled Entity by Jane Roberts back in the 70s. She was kind of like the first big channel. And there's a whole bunch of Seth books. Mm -hmm. I still go back to those. Those are like my basic, basic teaching. Um, But then Ramtha. Ramtha actually is um, a channeled entity down in Yelm um, here in Washington. And... I started reading his books and it was just like mind-blowing and it made so much sense about creating your own reality and, you know, claiming back your power and how we're all gods, we're all powerful um, and all of that kind of thing. And then as it would turn out, the son of the vice president the company I was working for in Minnesota after college, actually lives down in Yelm and goes to the Ramtha School. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so he was like, hey, if you ever want to come out sometime, let me know. And it was like, right after that offer, I got a raise. And I was like, okay, we're going. And so I actually came out here a little bit before I actually moved to to, to check out Ramtha and Ramtha School and and stuff, and then when my then girlfriend, my future ex-wife, uh, when she graduated, um, this guy, son of the vice president of the company I was working for, actually worked out here in in Seattle, and he offered me a job. It's like, okay, we're moving, and he's like, oh, I've got a job for you, and so we landed in Seattle rather than Montana. It was partially because of Ramtha. Wow. And so yeah. And so i you know, it's like I've got the pagan, I've got the channeling, I've got the <laughs> Eastern philosophy and all of those things mixed up into me and stuff. And and then I ended up and it was kind of a good thing. It was it was um, kind of meant to be I just I didn't have the money to continue with Ramtha, um, which was okay. It wasn't my path. Mm-hmm. And so I started going, my ex-wife then connected with people here in Seattle, the pagan community, mm-hmm. especially one coven. And we started doing uh, the Sabbaths. There's like eight Sabbaths. It's the holidays on the pagan calendar, equinoxes and, and solstices. And, um, and I loved it. But there was still this little piece of Catholic boy in me that was like, I'm going to burn in hell. I love this. This is so cool. It just speaks to me, but I'm going to burn in hell. I just kept waiting for the devil to jump up and grab me or something. And uh, finally, I worked through that. I was like, whatever.
1: You know, something I think that helps for our generation is that there's been so many influences in fantasy in books and movies and things where they're they're talking about these fantastical uh, creatures or magic or things that are happening that maybe doesn't make it seem so scary as it would have if if the only thing yeah. you heard about magic was coming from the church that's saying oh no we don't condone this this is evil or something right. that yeah. we've had these these sort of sneaky really little play which is why some people probably boycott it but we've had these really mm-hmm. sneaky little fun ways of, of sort of learning to connect with nature in new ways and
2: totally and that's like our, our modern mythology. Yes,
1: That's, it you is. You know, movies,
2: video games, comics, it's like our modern mythology. Like, like the Avengers are kind of like the new gods in a way, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, they, and it's not like they're more powerful than us and we have to worship them, but they give us a template mm-hmm. of how to live. They, they give us um, an excuse to show our own courage you know, whole, even the even the like, what would Jesus do? Thing. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, in this situation, what would Jesus do? And then you do what Jesus would do. You know, one of your heroes. You know, like, okay, what would this hero do in this situation? Like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: Yeah, I think it inspired like, us, and I really loved, totally. And um, it gives you
2: that excuse. It it opens up opens up the mind just a little bit to yeah. entertain those.
1: Just kind enough of things. to be curious about bit... it instead of afraid.
2: Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs>
0: and and it are. makes it a little
2: more safer for, you know, people like, you know, like, they always complain when spiritual stuff becomes mainstream. Mm. But I think that's a good thing. And it's like, it's like, oh, you mean like Harry Potter wizards and stuff, huh? I like, sure. If that's the context you have. Yeah. We can talk Harry Potter and. You know, it's about talking to people in their own metaphors and own mythologies. Yeah. yeah.
1: So. And then I think that our our famous people, you know, like Hollywood stars are our new okay. royalty. So there's always been these sort of hierarchies and structures of like stories. You know, stories have mm-hmm. been so essential of teaching um you know, life skills and also, you know, words of wisdom that were passed down through oral traditions for thousands of years. And stories are still so important. It's just the way that we deliver them looks different. I feel like we almost miss the significance of it.
2: But I think that's part of it too, because it's, it's kind of the way, like, like with poetry, for instance, how it kind of, um, sneaks past the logical mind yeah
0: mm-hmm. you receive like, it so in those the heart stories,
2: space. exactly so those stories they bypass the logical mind and go straight to the heart mm-hmm. and i think that's part of their power and part of their purpose is to bypass that critical thinking so that we can actually accept it in our hearts
1: yeah it reaches us. It reaches a lot of people. And I love that. So th- mm-hmm. th- thank you for indulging me in that little side note. Okay, Absolutely. so so you're in Catholic school, you're studying for years, and then you meet a witch who's also in Catholic school somehow. Like, where did she even get that influence from?
2: <laughs> it's funny because it get, when you look back and you see all the synchronicities that happen, she wasn't Catholic, mm-hmm. but it's like she somehow got a pamphlet about the school, the college in Minnesota. It's like, hey, I've never been east of the Mississippi. I'm gonna go there, <laughs> and then her mom was like, oh yeah, and I bet you're gonna meet meet a nice Catholic boy. And, <laughs> and the twist. cool thing was that, <laughs> yeah, and the cool thing was that um, this convent, it was like radical feminist nuns they were like this close to being pagan and she so she felt almost right at home and in fact her advisor this nun who was her advisor She was like, I just, I need to tell her I'm a witch. I just, I feel like I'm holding back. I feel like I'm not being honest with her. I need to let her know who I am. So she set up this appointment.
1: Didn't she live in the dorms or something there? So was she practicing Mm -hmm. in secret just behind closed doors or something?
2: She actually had her own room. Somehow she lucked out and always had her own room. Mm -hmm. So she could do that kind of thing. And again, (laughs) there were woods around there. So she could go into the woods. But (laughs) She went up to this nun who was her advisor, is like, I have something to tell you and I don't know how to tell you. She's like, I'm a witch. And the nun literally jumped up and down and clapped her hands. I've always wanted to meet one of you. So <laughs> well, she was she felt right at home. It was like, yeah. That's they were all they, they like. They would do mass, and they changed all the he's in the Bible to she's. Mm-hmm. So they were basically, you know, calling on goddess rather than God. And...
1: Yeah. Okay, so you come out to Seattle, you end up married and divorced, right? So mm-hmm. what what kept you here, and where did your path go from there?
2: Um. Why not go back to Once, Minnesota? Um, I always kind of thought I would. Mm-hmm. But it was like there was this really weird change over time. And I remember usually like I'd go back to visit my family and everything. And the plane would land in Minnesota and I'd be like, oh, I'm home. And there was a specific trip where... The plane set down in Seattle, and I'm like, I'm home. And I think it has to do. I I don't think I can live anywhere without mountains mm. and the ocean, the sound. You know, I love Minnesota and the natural beauty. And late, we spent like every weekend at Lake Superior when I was a kid, and I love the nature there. Mm. But there's just, there's this lushness and richness to the natural world out here that I just can't find back there. Mm-hmm. And, and Mount Rainier, Mount Tahoma, pardon me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's my grandfather. I talk to him all the time. It's like my grandfather mountain. It's like grandfather mountain and grandmother moon. Very cool. That's my own kind of take on it. But
1: yeah, for those who don't know, there is rich indigenous culture here in the Pacific Northwest and a lot of um, sacredness around Mount Rainier, which was called Mount Tahoma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think most of us even living here, I mean, I was born and raised in Seattle and and I think we don't really know the history. It's just... um, you know, somewhere to go on the weekend and go go right. drive up Mount right. Rainier and go for a hike and check out, which is amazing. It's beautiful, but oh, it yeah. it is a wonderful part of the world. It's one of the reasons why I've stayed. And it's so green here. and yes, I just love forests. So my sister, also born and raised here right she lives in nevada and she loves the desert and she loves the heat and that's never really been never really been my thing um i feel really comfortable yeah. where where there's where there's forest
2: we need the green that lush mm-hmm. dark green yeah, yeah i can't do deserts, deserts either
1: yeah so you had been following different channelers you had Exposure to Wicca. You had an interest in Alan Watts and Taoism with a Catholic background. How did you get to shamanism?
2: Funny story. Um, after we had moved out here, I just happened one day to pick up this book, Way of the Shaman by Michael Harner. Mm-hmm. And I start. I'm reading this, and I'm just starting to shake as I'm reading it. And I'm just like, "Oh my God!" It was like this is how I see the world. This is what, it was, it was like, like coming home.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It was like all those other things were steps in the right direction, and this was like,
1: bullseye. I'm
2: home, exactly. And it was like one of those things, looking back, realize that's always been who I was, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I even, (laughs) um, at one point, my mom had decided she was gonna join Facebook and she asked, like, would that be okay? And I I didn't know how to answer her because on Facebook I was totally myself and (laughs) I was shamanic and spiritual and vegan and all these things. And so I wrote a seven-page handwritten letter telling my mom exactly who I was, that I'm a shaman, this is what I do. Oh, you had a spiritual coming out
1: to your mother.
2: I did. Wow. And I mailed it, and then I started to freak the heck out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is she going to disown me? What's she going to think? And like a week later or something, I got a handwritten letter back, and she was like, But this is who you've always been.
1: This is not news, dear.
2: Oh, my God. (laughs) Gotta love mom. I know. And it's so cool because she, you know, she started out being kind of because she was conservative Catholic and taught tarot cards are the devil's work and all that kind of stuff. And so exactly. (laughs) And so to find out I was doing this stuff was really hard on her. And she was always having masses said for me, and having people pray for me, and all this stuff. And then it's like she started kind of seeing how what I was doing was affecting people. And it's like now she'll ask you, "So how did that psychic fair go?" Or you know, and I've actually I've actually done Reiki on her. Wow. And my sisters are always asking me for medicine card readings Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, So it's just this total, like, acceptance.
1: Boy, we learn a lot from our kids.
2: Yeah. She still doesn't understand it, and some of it still makes her uncomfortable. Yeah. But I think she trusts more. She trusts me that I know what I'm doing rather than... Worrying about the stigma of, you know, the mystical and all of that.
1: Well, I think the the barrier, which looks like judgment, is really fear. It's just yes, fear. Absolutely. If you're if you're born into a family or a culture or a church or a school that teaches you this is dangerous, this is harmful, this is not right. And you take that to heart. You know, you may carry that for the rest of your life and try to teach that to your children or your friends or whoever. Absolutely.
2: And that's where, you know, that's part of my job as a shaman is to help people remember who they are. You know, we're all the divine spark of creator whatever you want to label him or her or whatever Mm -hmm. that there's nothing that can happen nothing anyone can do that is going to doom you like we are the center of our reality we we have the power of the divine with us behind us Mm -hmm. in us and when you have that knowledge and that trust it's there's things can still happen don't get me wrong it's not like all rainbows and unicorns but no um well for me it is but that's a whole other thing <laughs> um, but you know we still like you know I'm kind of this happy bubbly shaman but you know we still have initiations and rites of passage where we have to face those fears that you mentioned, you know, we're, we're raised with all these layers of fear. Mm. And we have to break through those to get back to who we really are. And that's part of what my work is, is to help people ease through that, to help, remem- help people remember who they truly are.
1: Because mm. that's where your power is.
2: Exactly.
0: Mm.
2: Your power is yeah. not out there. It's... And that's, you know, your heart is what connects you to God. It's what connects you to every human on the planet, every yeah. living being. That's where the power lives.
1: Key for me was, um, I I don't know if I ever really bought into it because I don't think I did. I don't think I ever really believed in hell. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. I've never seen God as a judgmental man who's going to get offended by things and get angry because my experience through prayer was always one of love and compassion and companionship and Absolutely. understanding and support. And so I think what I felt inside maybe went beyond anything else that I was taught. Cause I went to a Catholic school too, <laughs> but if you don't buy into the be good, follow the rules and you go into heaven be bad and you go to hell. Oh, so I talked about this with Andrew, who's our mutual friend, Andrew Thiessen, mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. came on to share his NDE. And we gave a shout out to you. So here you are. I I'm so did. Thank to, you
2: so much. I heard to that. Have
1: this conversation. Yeah, he was talking about that, too, because he, he had a um, somewhat similar background. And if if you don't believe in heaven and hell, it frees you. Mm hmm. Because then you can explore and experiment and kind of um, make sense of things for yourself. And, and the other thing for me is removing the middleman, that you can have yes. a direct experience of the divine without needing to run it through your priest or your pastor or your bishop Absolutely. or or whoever it is, that, that you can receive guidance and experience. Um, I think maybe I... I I also learned that through Taoism Mm -hmm. um, that it comes from within and it's something that we're all, we're all connected to. And so I don't have to go through anybody to see if what I'm getting.
2: Well, and that's a big part of shamanism. It's a, it's Mm -hmm. a practice of direct revelation. Mm -hmm. You're getting your information straight from the spirit, straight from God whatever and so you're not relying on anyone else and you're it's mm-hmm. it's an empowering thing because you're you build this trust over the years with your spirit guides with spirit learning to um, trust your own intuition so that you become interdirected you know your compass is in here not out there mm-hmm. and it i mean that's a big part of shamanism is is that connection. And that's why I love teaching it because it's like when people start realizing that they can talk to their own spirit guides and they can get direction, they can actually like, it's so funny because I'll teach people, be people will be in like shaman classes and then they'll, like a challenge will come up and I'm like, well, why don't you journey to your spirit guides about it? And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like helping to connect the dots. It's like there's a reason for this. This isn't just something off. You know, on the side of life, it's like, this is to help you engage with life. And
1: Same with tarot, really. And it's funny because somebody had to remind me of the same thing. I got to a point where like, I wasn't sure about what to do. And someone was like, well, did you pull cards on that? I'm like, no, why didn't I, I do it a lot more often now, but yeah, it is this, this method or this tool of, of connecting to divine guidance.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: So what is the difference between shamanism and paganism?
2: That's a really good question. Um, I I don't know that I, I don't have the definitive answer to that. Mm-hmm. But from my own experience, um, and I hope people take this with a grain of salt as far. I don't want to offend anybody that's pagan or anything. Uh, but To me, shamanism goes deeper than paganism does. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you're pagan and you're still talking to the spirits, you're you're invoking the deities, you're invoking the elements, but there's still this element of separation. Mm. Does that make sense? And shamanism is about becoming them it's like you you want to talk to the elements you want to know something you you merge with the elements or you merge with your spirit guides Mm -hmm. and you look at the world through their eyes you know it's again direct revelation it's experiential it's not just words and Mm -hmm. i think a lot a lot of pagan is not everything it's it's a spectrum right like everything Mm -hmm. else um, and there's a real thin line between, I mean, there's so many pagans that are shamanic and shamans that are pagan. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, yeah,
1: there's a lot of overlap
2: you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. But, um, with shamanism, it, it really is about experiential. It feels like a lot of paganism. I th- I think what I what I have noticed in my experience is a lot of people leave Christianity mm-hmm. for like a paganism to like a more nature-based earth religion. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like that. it's kind of like basically trading one dogma for another. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you get caught up in the rules and it's got to be done this way and you have to have this tool and that yeah. tool or you're not truly a pagan or whatever, um, I think that's where it can be problematic. And that's where shamanism, it's you and the spirits. There's, there's, mm-hmm. you know, and we still, like I said, I'm a pipe carrier. I still do pipe ceremony. That's a, mm-hmm. a useful tool for me to connect, but it's not necessary. You mm-hmm. know, again, we're the ultimate power in our lives. We're the ultimate connection to creator. There is no, need for anything in between whether it's tools or other people or whatever right yeah yeah
1: ramdas talked about that too about you use a tool until you no longer need it that it's actually just a way to sort of attune to it exactly the way you talk about merging with the elements or merging with spirit it doesn't get more direct than that so i get exactly what you're saying
2: and so it like thinks they're not an experiential. It's not just words. It's, you know, yeah. we still like a lot of times people do shamanic journeys and they'll talk to their guides, but it just comes as words, which is kind of still a, a left brain kind of logic kind of thing. Right.
1: We're very conditioned that way. I mean, we worship Absolutely. the intellect. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's hard to break free of that. And I think... Um, we get into a lot of trouble swirling around in our thoughts. That that's one of the most common pieces of advice I give is mo- move out of your headspace and into your heart space, and that frees things to to get moving and transform and flow through instead of getting stuck exactly. and open because yourself Because the mind
2: to, the mind divides the mind separates. That's the categorizes
1: judges. That's the mind's yeah. job.
2: That's you know to help us facilitate you know navigate through this world Mm -hmm. it's necessary but the heart includes everything you know the heart is big enough Mm -hmm. to hold everything the mind divides it and so we have to come back to that wholeness the
1: heart can hold it all
2: exactly
1: this question about paganism, it's interesting because I was doing a little bit of research about shamanism before we came together because I knew I wanted to talk to you more about it. And it can be difficult to put some of these things into words. And yeah. so so my background um, with paganism is that when I started diving deeper into spirituality and the first time I heard the term pagan used in a long time, I realized prior to that, I only heard it used as a slander. Yeah. right? Oh, what are you, a pagan? That's a pagan, right? As though, as though it was some, like, um, I don't know, like, <laughs> so negative, right, that there's just this right. judgment that you're, like, you're you're dirty and beneath me or something. Not that I ever felt that way, but I had heard it that way. That was my context. This
2: reminded me of an, um, there was an episode of Simpsons when Ned Flanders was chasing Homer. They were, like, Their family was chasing the Simpsons in the cars. And the little kid's like, Daddy, hurry. The heathens are getting away. (laughs) Heathens, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: So so I (laughs) looked it up. I mm-hmm. looked it up and I was really surprised by the definition of paganism because it said that it's a term that was first used in the 4th century by early Christians for people in the Roman Empire who practiced polytheism or ethnic religions other than Judaism. So basically it started as a term by the 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 Christians in the Roman Empire that you were the outsiders, you weren't part of the main religion. So that includes right. a lot of different things, but I had taken it to mean in today's context as earth-based spirituality, which I am very passionate about. That's what I feel most drawn to. Mm -hmm. And then when I think of shamanism, I'm like, Oh, well that's definitely earth-based spirituality. So then I started going like, like there's obviously an overlap here, but, but I loved your description of that, of that merging. And, and the other thing that came to me was, just the history behind shamanism that it goes back to indigenous cultures from around the world
2: around the
0: world discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between join spiritual teacher Brittany mondito for a moment of silence a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from. Brittany says reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding and centeredness. Learn more today
2: at eomega.org slash thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, you could say like pagan is the culture I mean, we all came from pagan, earth-based spirituality. Every culture, every ethnicity goes back to paganism at some point. So it's kind of like the paganism is the earth-based religion, and mm. shamans were kind of the priests or priestesses. Mm. I think the first shamans were actually women, mm. but it's like they were the ones that, that they were the intermediary. It, intermediaries between Heaven and Earth, right? They were.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Their shaman is the bridge. It's like the shaman is the one with a foot in each world.
1: Yeah, one on one foot on each side. So you mentioned Michael Harner. Um, And you can find um, his information and links and everything about shamanism through his connections at Mm -hmm. shamanism.org. That when I first started learning about shamanism was not long before I met you. And I it just resonated with me immediately. Actually, the first time I participated in the, the I didn't even realize it was a journey at the time, but with the drumming. And you close your eyes and it's sort of like a lucid dreaming or or it can be sort of like a, I want to say like a guided meditation. But you go into sort of this altered state of consciousness, which is different than hallucinogens. Just we'll get yeah. into that in a second. Yeah. But um, it just felt like a coming home. Like there was, a, it was almost like a memory in my bones. And I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, my family came from Denmark largely, so um, I don't know that they were doing this here. It's definitely not tied to to Native Americans, but um, but it could even be the memory in the land or just the the we're all one and our souls are connected. But for me, there was a memory there that just it hit me immediately that it just it touched something that's really hard to explain, but it feels, um, deep and historical and i've been curious about it ever since so i was pointed towards michael harner i downloaded one of his drumming tracks to use um to practice journeying at home and he died maybe a year after i discovered him
2: oh wow yeah yeah. it wasn't that long ago
1: no it was not that long ago yeah if you go to his website shamanism.org there's a neat video there of him and his wife that gives a little bit of the history but so Mm -hmm. he was an anthropologist who brought shamanism to contemporary contemporary life in the west after he'd done a lot of field and cross-cultural investigation experimentation and personal practice so he developed what we call core shamanism Mm -hmm. which is a system to apply shamanism and the healing in our in our daily lives so he was looking for common features
2: right in cultures he took the around culture the world out of everything he took uh-huh. the common denominators yeah of shama- shamanism around the world and mm-hmm. took them down to the core which is so cool because when you teach that it's like you're giving people the basics mm-hmm. and then it's like okay go and you get to flesh <laughs> out your own practice you're given the bare bones yeah. And then you get to add to it from your own traditions, you know, your own, your own guidance that you're I receiving. You. It's
1: like a growing living connection that is very Absolutely. personal and very, very much your own. Yeah, I found um, a wiki page about regional forms of shamanism. If anyone's interested, you can nerd out like I did. And mm-hmm. they list at least 15 different countries of different various forms of shamanism. But the thing is, they didn't call themselves Shamans. That term actually comes from the Tungus tribe in Siberia. Mm -hmm. And anthropologists use that term to refer to spiritual and ceremonial leaders among indigenous cultures worldwide. So we sort of we took that word and and even though there isn't, you know, someone calling themselves a shaman everywhere in the world, the practices and the connection and the purpose was was really Similar and talks about tapping into Mother Earth to offer um, ancient indigenous teachings derived from the simple truths of nature.
2: Oh, I love that. Mm. Such a succinct, beautiful way of putting it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what does shamanism represent for you?
2: That's a hard question because it kind of envelops everything I do. So I can't like step outside of it and say, well, what does it symbolize or mean? But it's, it's just,
1: Is it a way of looking at the world?
2: It is. It's, it's a way of not just looking at the world, but relating to the world. Mm -hmm. And it's, it all comes down to love. It all comes down to connection. You know, it's like like what you said earlier about the the universe conspiring on our behalf toward our well-being. It's like Mm -hmm. that's the heart of it. It's recognizing the connections, recognizing that love is the only force in the universe, you know, and that. There is fear, but that's like an absence of love. It's not like good versus evil, where it's two equal forces banging heads against each other. It's love is all there is. Fear is a perceived absence of that love. And so what all that needs to happen for healing is to remember the love. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that's my job is like when other people can't, is to see through the illusions of fear and to see the love that's there, to see the connections and to help people to see again their own connection to the world, the universe, the divine, you know, that's probably my biggest job as part of being, part of being an artist and a shaman, you know, it's like that, that job of a visionary really to be able to see beyond what's visible to the mm-hmm. possibilities and to make that bring that back to this world and to express it in a way so that other people can see that same vision right mm-hmm. because where consciousness goes energy, energy flows. flows and so the more <laughs> you can wake people up the more give that vision that version of, of reality into you know the better off we all are and the more uh, the more people that can see it the more energy can flow in that direction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So. What is the purpose of ceremony?
2: Ceremony, I love ceremony. Um, again, it's remembering. Ceremony, kind of it. It's like poetry. It's like art. It gives you. It gives your logical ego mind an excuse to play and like the 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 main purpose of ceremony is kind of to align mental physical emotional into one and to connect to the greater beingness of the universe of the world you know so ceremony is like it's like being a little kid again, you know, and that's so at the heart of shamanism too—is that innocence and that childlike being. And it's like who doesn't want to pretend they're, you know, witches in the in the woods in the cauldron, or shamans calling on the dragons and the wild creatures. You know, it's like it—it it gives us there's there's that wild innocent portion of ourselves that needs. An excuse to be able to come out. You know, mm-hmm. we don't get that in our daily life. There's no I mean, you stand up on a park bench and start howling, people are gonna <laughs> look at you, the police are gonna come and haul you away. But if you're doing ceremony, it's totally acceptable. It's kind of like changing the perimeter, the parameters of what's acceptable and in mm-hmm. in sacred space, in ceremony. You just get to be and allow whatever comes up to come up and be expressed.
1: Okay, so that brings me to my next question.
2: Sacred space.
1: How, how do you cultivate sacred space? How do you cultivate sacred space? How do
2: I cultivate? Um, I, I, like, every day when I go into my office, I drum. I use the drum um, to call in the elements and the Spirits, and um... Spirits of the Earth, Spirits of the Air, Spirits of the Fire, Spirits of the Water, Spirits of the Upper World, Spirits of the lower world, compassionate spirits of the middle world, the Fae, spirits of the land, the ancestors of the land, thank you for your presence. Thank you for blessing us with your love and your light. Aho.
0: Oh. Oh. Aho.
2: So, I love that. it's just calling in. Calling in, if you notice, it's like the four directions. So you've got like the lateral and mm-hmm. calling in the elements, north, south, east, west, earth, air, fire, water. And then you go vertically. And in shamanism, um, we see the universe as three worlds. There's the upper world, the lower world, and the middle world. We're in the middle world. And so we call in the spirits of the upper world, the spirits of the lower world, and then the compassionate spirits of the middle world. To hold space is basically creating an energetic container within which we can do the magic or connecting because basically you're setting up this higher frequency energy belt around you Mm-hmm. The spirits are holding space for you at a higher frequency, so nothing of a lower frequency can come in. So mm-hmm. we can let go of our own stuff. We can open up whatever shields, whatever armor we have, because the only way to connect to spirit is open, right? Yeah. And so it's not it's not to keep everything out, all these evil spirits that are trying to get to us. It's it's to create, I always liken it to like cooking a meal and you put ingredients into a pot and you put it on the lid and you put it on the heat. and You create an artificial environment where alchemical things can take place, where things can mix and become something they're not, become something that they won't become just sitting on the counter. Mm-hmm. So when we create sacred space for ceremony, we're setting up that that container within which things can happen that don't just happen in the outside world. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think raising our vibration, raising our frequency is key to being able to heal, to connect, to receive guidance. When I studied angels with Kyle Gray, that was, he has a book called Raise Your Vibration. It's a great book, but th- there's this sense of needing to raise yourself up to vibrate on this higher frequency, and then you get closer to like all of your spirit helpers your guides your angels and your ancestors as i like to refer it right yeah, so you, they, yeah. it's easier for them to reach you and, and whenever i watch mediums work they do that too they're like okay you know i need to rise up and then and then i get these little symbols and signs and and mm-hmm. things and they're interpreting the messages but
2: the secret well i don't know if it's the secret but the key to it is that we are already high frequency. We are naturally high frequency and we get held down by all the different societal rules and expectations and stuff like that. And so everyone pictures, oh, I gotta raise my frequency it's like pushing a rock uphill it's like no you're just that lowers your frequency yeah it's surrendering into who you already are which is why you create that sacred space and then you can drop your shields that's how you raise your frequency it's an expansion
1: not a contraction
2: absolutely Yeah.
0: yeah and that's
2: exactly and that's what you raise your frequency so that you're closer to those you're you're connecting with so
1: All right, here's another good question for you. Okay. What is the role of ayahuasca? Now, anybody who first hears about shamanism probably hears about ayahuasca or there's this big buzz about, you know, using psychoactive substances. Is it necessary? What's your take
2: on it? It's not necessary. I have never, I've never done ayahuasca. I've never done any of the hallucinations. I've... I've never even smoked marijuana, if you will believe that. People are like, no way, you're a hippie. Look at your long hair and everything. I'm like, (laughs) no, seriously. The only thing I have ever really smoked is my pipe, Mm -hmm. and that's just tobacco. Um, So, And I think there's a reason for that. I think my path has kind of guided me around those things to be that example, to be a role model that those things aren't necessary everything that you can get with ayahuasca and plant medicine and different things you again it's the tools it's believing that oh we need something to get us there and and you know to in all honesty there's nothing wrong with plant medicine i have nothing against it i have i have friends who have done god i had a friend that went to peru Mm -hmm. and spent like four months with a shaman in the jungles and they did ayahuasca every single day and she had the most for months yes (laughs) and so she had some of the most amazing experiences and stories and stuff Mm -hmm. but i think like in our western society we're looking for that magic pill that magic ingredient to get us there and they hear about ayahuasca and like that's it and so and it's it is helpful Mm -hmm. um it can help there's a really good. There's a really good movie. I think it's still on Netflix called The Last Shaman. Mm-hmm. It's about this guy who was depressed for years or something, and he gave himself one year to come up with a reason to live.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And he ended up going to Peru and he did ayahuasca, and that it opened him up. So I mean, mm-hmm. there are good. There's no good or bad. Right. Um, there's a place for everything, and. If someone is drawn to that, I fully encourage them to explore it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but just with that stipulation that it's it's not necessary. If you're drawn to it, if the plant spirit is calling you, mm-hmm. absolutely follow that. Mm-hmm. And you know your journey that that can be your path, and you need to experience that mm-hmm. um, because there's things that you will learn through. The different plant spirits, the plant medicine um, that you might need to know. But ultimately, you don't need any of that. You know, it's like the drum. So my way of shamanism is just using the drum or the rattle, that repetitive sound. And that sound basically entrains your brain waves to a theta level and that's where you connect into the spirit world that's where you can journey you do the shamanic journey Mm -hmm. and that is universal it's like that repetitive sound even like like the sami people when the russians took them over um they outlawed the drums they outlawed they killed all the shamans and so they actually created what they call yoiking, it's a special way of singing that does the repetitive sounds and entrains the brain and helps them to journey. And so it's like, it's that that repetitive beat, you know, and it it comes from the the original drum, right? And it it entrains us back to the earth, back to nature. And a lot of cultures call the drum the wind horse. I absolutely love that visual because it's the it's the hoofbeats of the wind horse that carry you to the spirit realm
1: it carries you that's lovely exactly
2: and it's like it can be like i remember the first time i journeyed i'm like oh this is awful how am i supposed to journey like I, that drum beat it's just incessant and all of a sudden it was like oh wait a minute it's holding me
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's carrying me and that's what it does it keeps you at that level where you don't come to full waking consciousness, but you don't theoretically go to sleep. <laughs> and I say theoretically because I have slept through my, my, my due of um, shamanic journeys. And there was, I took a class with um, Sandra Ingerman, who has been my teacher for many, many years. I took her one of her online courses, and I don't think I remembered a single journey we did that whole seven weeks. (laughs) So,
1: Well, you still got something out of it, obviously. And they they say that about meditation, too, that if you fall asleep during meditation, that might be exactly what you needed at that moment.
2: Well, and with the journeying, I realized at one point that I don't know that I really fell asleep because I always heard the callback beat. And I would come back, and so I think it was just going so deep that you know the mind can't come up with images or a language to translate it into.
1: Maybe your lucid dreaming just went a little bit deeper into that theta state, or
2: absolutely, as our
1: brain goes. Yeah, yeah. So, how do shamans heal?
2: Shaman, shamanic healing is based on, again, like I said, with the love and the fear and it's based on the fact that we are already whole, disease, etc. are blockages of the free flow of energy. But the person is seeing the person as already healed. And it's like we don't, we look at whatever's happening, the discomfort or the disease or whatever, but then we look beyond that to the divine wholeness of that person, and we basically, uh, we can take away the blocks, whatever is blocking the energy, or we do like soul retrieval, where, um, you know, people become scattered or fragmented because of traumas, and we can actually find those fragments and bring them back, and it, it, it's all about reestablishing the sense of wholeness. Mm. It's like you're already whole. There's nothing wrong with you. You just need to remember that wholeness. And so we basically hold space and support that person in remembering the wholeness, yeah. you know. And um, I can't, I like you were asking about what, what shamanism means to me and all that before, and it's like I can't, I can't imagine anything outside of that. It's like, it's just such a a basic, every person is whole, you know, and it's just like the namaste, it's the divine in me, greets the divine in you, and the shaman's place is to hold that, just like the drum in training your brainwave. When we look, we, we the shaman connects into their own power, call in their power, animals and spirit guides to help boost their power and ultimately heal the person in front of them through that entrainment by being the light that divine love it wakes up that divine love in, the, in that person
0: mm-hmm.
2: it draws them forward it draws them out so the shaman doesn't do anything to anyone it's not like cast you out evil spirits or whatever it's
1: it's not an exorcism
2: no and and there are like um, depossessions they call them compassionate depossessions because there are times when consciousnesses get connected, you know to attach to living people and such. but they need the healing that that consciousness needs a healing as much as the client does. and so it's about helping. that spirit pass over all the way and freeing up the client to be their whole self again. Mm -hmm. So Mm
0: -hmm.
2: it's all about wholeness.
1: Yeah. A return to the wholeness that you already are. And that Mm -hmm. sometimes it helps for someone else to see it when we can't, right? Hold that, that vision, Mm -hmm. open that space and then, and then the healing occurs naturally. It's like you talked about um, fear and the, the, the love being the antidote that it just sort of, it just shifts. It's just mm-hmm. a shift from one to the other that when that falls away, love is all that's left. And so when this, um, it's not an error in way of seeing, but but when you're not seeing yourself whole when you maybe through the assistance of spirit of Mm -hmm. someone else's perspective then you can start to see it too and that makes space for for the healing that for you to experience in your body in your mind in your life
2: absolutely
1: so for anyone who's looking for guidance or healing what kind of services do you offer
2: Um, I do I mentioned my medicine card readings if anyone knows about the medicine card deck it's a a deck of cards created by Jamie Sams and Dave Carson I believe Um, Jamie Sams was associated with a number of different tribes, she was indigenous and she created this deck uh, every card has a different animal on it and so it's, it's similar to like a tarot reading but it's by which animals show up um, tells you what's going on. Each animal has a different symbology, different medicine energy. And so I do medicine card readings, um, which is kind of like the basic of what I do. Like some people aren't ready for the the big stuff yet.
1: The full shaman.
2: Right, and right, <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, okay, we'll do a card reading. Um, and then I also do, like you mentioned, I'm a Reiki master um, I do Reiki, but kind of a shamanic Reiki. I work in the different, um, like, extraction, extracting those pieces of energy that don't belong in someone's field. Mm-hmm. And then I do soul retrieval, which I kind of explained. So different shamanic healings. And fairy doctoring, which is similar to soul retrieval. I don't know if we have time to go into that, but that's <laughs> a whole nother, um thing. So but- can
1: you... I mean, maybe just give us a short recap on soul retrieval and fairy doctoring, because I think those are those are things that people will have questions about.
2: Yeah. And it's like and like soul retrieval, I think if more people knew it was available, that mm-hmm. more people would seek it out. I just it's one of those things that we just don't think about. And it's not even part of our culture,
0: oh, but so sure.
2: where soul retrieval comes in it's like every time we experience a trauma, and it can be like an accident, a divorce, um, an abusive relationship, or something, part of our psyche goes off to protect itself. You know, it's like going into shock or dissociation. And in a perfect world, those parts find their way back. But because of our world now, especially with being traumatized and re traumatized on a daily basis by what's going on there's no room for those parts to find their own way back sometimes, And so um, in soul retrieval, a shaman can go, I've got a, um, a salmon spirit guide that helps me go find people's soul parts and then bring them back. And I actually blow them in. You know, the breath is very important to shamanism and blow those parts back into a person's heart chakra and crown chakra to make them feel whole. And... Mm-hmm the fairy doctoring comes in where sometimes when those parts leave because of a trauma, the fae, the hidden folk, whatever you want to call them, their job is to balance the energies between our world and the invisible world. And so especially someone who's creative and that kind of thing, they might take one of those soul parts into the fairy realm and Rather than, it, like in soul retrieval, the part out there, when you bring it back, it's the same age it was when it left, and so it has to integrate back into the person, be brought back up to speed. Um, when the fey take that soul part, they actually nurture it, and nourish it, and raise it, so that it stays concurrent to the age of the person. Uh, there's still some integration when you bring that fairy magic and stuff into a person, but um, So there's a way of, I've got like a fairy liaison that if if I'm not finding a soul part out here someplace, I'll go and check with her and see. It's like, do you have a soul part here for this person? And she'll go get it. And the thing with the fairy doctoring, because their job is to balance those energies, like I said,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you have to make some kind of exchange in order to get that soul part back. So I have to negotiate with, with her okay what do you want and usually it's it's something that that a, a mutual healing it's something that benefits the per, the person as well as the fey it's something like you have to sing a song for seven days every when you get up in the morning or you have mm-hmm. to draw or paint or dance something right. like that and so um sometimes those soul parts go to the fey and they bring it back and and so that's basically soul retrieval. And what it does is fills out that wholeness so that you know, without those soul parts our, our fields, you know, we're supposed to be radiant like stars. Mm. And without you know, when you lose little pieces of yourself, you have holes in your energy field. Mm. And so it's like you bring those parts back so that you can radiate more whole. And again, just like that setting the sacred space Nothing of a lower frequency can get in when you're radiating, when you're radiating that higher frequency light and love. It's its own protection. You don't have to put on armor, right? Yeah. It's like that radiating. Your spirit
1: is your protection. Exactly. You, you don't need anything so, external. Yeah. That's yeah, really interesting. Thank you for for explaining that. So what is the best way for people to reach you if, if they're interested in, in uh, learning more or... Um, now you do some yeah. of the stuff online as well too. You're not just local, yes. are you?
2: I work. Um, yeah, I can do readings. I can do long distance healings. I've had, in fact, I just did a soul retrieval for a woman in Hawaii a couple of mm. weeks ago, and just an amazing. I I feel like I've got the best job in the world. I get to <laughs> watch these people heal, and I get to see this excitement and the hear people's stories and everything so yeah Mm -hmm. i can do it over zoom there's no because like that like i just said you know i set sacred space Mm -hmm. space and time are an illusion so i can set space around us whether we're here or another side of the planet yeah um and distance is not a a factor so we can do long distance healings long distance um, readings or local i'm here in renton washington Got a little office in downtown Renton. And the best way to reach me is probably through my website, and that is perchingwolfstudios.net. So the name of my business is Perching Wolf Studios.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And you've got a Facebook page too, where yes. you've been doing yes. weekly pipe ceremonies and medicine card readings for, gosh, like you've been doing that weekly for almost two years now, haven't
2: you? Yeah, a little over two years. Pretty much since the beginning of the pandemic, yeah. you know, I felt like as a shaman, as a pipe carrier, it was my job to help maintain that higher frequency to bring, mm-hmm. you know, as everything else falling apart, bring more love and light into the world. So, And I'm still doing every Monday night, I do a miniature medicine card reading on my Facebook page. And every Wednesday night, I do a um, sacred pipe ceremony. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's interested, they can check out my Facebook page and all the event info is there. And then I've also got a YouTube channel, Perching Will Studios YouTube channel, where I always upload those videos. So I've got like two years worth of the Monday medicine card readings and the sacred pipe ceremonies, along with some other kind of cool stuff. and
1: So you don't have to dig through Facebook. You can go to YouTube and find all, find all the videos, right?
2: <laughs> but, but check out Perching Will Studios on Facebook and like my page and yeah. all of that. Well, I
1: love everything that you do and I so enjoy participating in ceremony. I feel like it was an extra treat that not only did we get a healing song from you today, but you called in Sacred Space and I wasn't going to ask you to do that, but I was thinking about it because I love the way you do that. (laughs) and i always feel the change i feel the change in the energy it's like something about the space changes and it just feels um really good so so thank you for that really enjoyed this time with my friendly neighborhood shaman patrick corrigan and getting to learn more about your history some things that we hadn't talked about before so yeah
0: Yeah. and one day
1: one day You and I may do a podcast together, so.
2: Yes. When the timing is right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. I feel like we could have talked for hours longer. I know we could have easily, but.
1: Oh, well, I'll just have to have you back because there's there's a hundred things we can talk about, I'm sure. I and I always enjoy, enjoy our conversation. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for spending this time with me. And to all our listeners, thank you for following Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life and telling your friends about it. The full video for this episode is available now exclusively on Patreon. You can get that link and more details about this podcast at nadiadelacruz.com. Until next time. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. Namaste. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind, Body, Spirit FM podcast network or wherever you find your podcasts.